This is the My Michelle Live podcast. Weekend Review, a look back at the week and forward to the weekend. Music, movies, goodies, and more. It's My Michelle Live Weekend Review. Here's Michelle. Yes, I am. I'm Michelle Mendoza, and we are taking you into the weekend. Uh, Looking back at the week is where we start, and then we'll finish off the broadcast with some fun things that you can look forward to. So it's like, get the dirty business away first, but we're going to do it in the ultimate fun way. You need to just get ready for this. It's about to happen. It's the Riz Report. Let's review the week. The Riz Report with Adam Ruzieri. Yes, the the man with the name that no one, not even big voice guy, can get right. We're gonna we're gonna work on that, Adam. <laughs> you know what? Ruzieri. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> Ritieri, Ritieri, or. If you're in Texas, good old Rizieri. Rizieri, <laughs> there you go. You <laughs> I'm glad you're very flexible. Oh, that the rest of the world would be so flexible. Oh, that our government. Oh my goodness, could be I know. So but flexible. you know what? When you grow up with a last name with this many vowels in it, you got to be flexible. The first day of school, you're always going to have to correct the teacher during roll call. <laughs> you know, but but then as you get a little bit older, you kind of know what to expect, and you can just kind of proactively go after you, it. You just kind of roll all, with it. Well, yeah, and for all the middle name people out there, I can definitely relate to that, too. The thing that I always heard, first, I go by Adam, my middle name, but when people find out that my first name is Steven, the thing I always hear is, oh, so your so your real name is Steven. I'm like, well, yeah, but Adam's my real name, too. We, it's, it's, it's Our kindred spirits. I had yeah. to change my name because my family from the South, you, Mr. Dallas guy, my family's from the South. So my name, I was born Lisa Michelle. But I always went by Michelle, so I had the same thing. I never heard my first name unless I was in trouble. Lisa Michelle. So, yeah, there you go. That's kind of rock and roll, but Lisa Michelle sounds like a celebrity. Like, can I have your autograph, please? Yeah, you can. <laughs> go right ahead. That's Lisa Michelle over there, guys. <laughs> in our Riz Report, we look at uh, thing happenings during the week. But the very cool thing about what we're doing is that you'll hear actual news stories from actual sources actually looked into actually read even actually investigated but there are news stories that for some reason they just end up on many cutting room floors in america media so you're going to hear stuff that you may not hear anywhere else and if as you get to know us you know we we don't just report it because it feels good or because it goes along with some ideology we really are looking into this and that helps you and i to be it's a phrase that's been lost in america it's called logical Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> does that mean like like does that imply common sense? Hmm. <laughs> yes, which, yeah? <laughs> which really needs to be changed because it's not common anymore, to be honest. But let's start with one of the, the, the issue that affects us all. We are in vaccine nirvana. And as such, we are seeing that Dr. Fauci, the guru of all knowledge and the ultimate authority on all things vaccine, for some reason, who shall not be questioned, shall not be doubted, is really pushing for this thing called vaccine passports. 
What do we do with that? Yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> shoot, right? Like, like it, it's. It kind of almost requires a moment of silence just to think about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, the the concept of vaccine passports is almost like the start of what we might kind of see as medical discrimination. You know, there was this Ooh. big interview between Dr. Fauci and George Stephanopoulos earlier this week. And George Stephanopoulos, of course, we know that this guy used to work for the Clinton administration. We know that he's been in, in mainstream news media for quite some time. But his job right now is to ask a lot of questions. And what came out of this interview was really kind of an, really an absence of questions and an absence of critical thought as Fauci basically was talking about concepts that were kind of driving us towards this, this mandate to be vaccinated. Um, and, and truly using quotes like, vaccines don't work unless everyone complies. Well, I mean, I thought if I get a vaccine, then I'm vaccinated, right? Like if I get a measles vaccine or if I get a polio shot, I'm not going to get that, right? So how could Dr. Fauci say that vaccines don't work unless everyone complies? But then also going a step further and saying that vaccinated people have to continue to wear a mask and avoid others in public, even after multiple vaccinations. I mean, what's What's the end goal here? I think about those who are, you know, immune compromised, about those mm-hmm. who are maybe um, pregnant, those who have survived cancer or are currently going through cancer treatments. You know, why can't people ask really important questions about what the implications might be if maybe an unintended result occurs from vaccination? If you vaccinations know, I think- are so good, why are we afraid to ask the questions? Why isn't Mr. Stephanopoulos willing to say, okay, here are some things that should be addressed. It has switched from reporting news to propaganda. It's so much so that a couple of, uh, many scientists are saying, wait a minute, how did Fauci become unquestionable? Uh, there's a price to the pandemic, but there's also a price to panic. I spoke because I'm not afraid to ask those questions to Jay Richards of the Discovery Institute. They wrote a book on this. I'm just going to play a one-minute segment of what he had to say. All sorts of things that, if you really look at the scientific literature, don't make a lot of sense, are nevertheless sort of imposed on us, whether it's wearing two masks or population-wide lockdowns, which have never, never had been tested until 2020. This idea that everyone should be locked in houses together, uh, healthy and unhealthy alike, that was never tested. So there was no science behind this. What there was is a hypothesis that it would work. And it got run on the human population in 2020. And if you disagreed with it, you were told, well, you're obviously, uh, you know, some kind of occultic uh, pseudoscientist. When in fact, it's like, no, I just don't seem to see that there's any evidence. There's a difference between the evidence of science and what, you know, particular spokespeople in the federal government and social media say the science is. Those are two different things. And that's this this book, The Price of Panic, that I co-authored with Doug Axe and William Briggs. Uh, it's really, I mean, the title says it all. We're talking about... Uh, two contagions. There's a course of viral contagion that started in uh, late 2019, early 2020 and continues. And that has a real toll. Uh, But any response to something like that is also going to have a toll. It's going to have a cost. Everything has a cost. And we really should be concerned. We should be asking the question, especially when we're dealing with something so very new. And what is extremely underreported Adam, is the problems that are arising, the deaths, and there are deaths from the vaccine, the uh, side effects, and the fact that we may not know what 
side effects are going to be going on in the future? Without question. You know, I have someone who is just an amazing person that works with me on my team at my marketing agency, and she is a person who is immune compromised. Uh, she battles with a, a very strong version of celiac disease. Ooh, um, okay. Also, though, she's an incredibly impressive person. She has battled and, and defeated cancer many times, the same type of cancer that took my stepsister from me. She's an amazing person, incredibly strong. She got the vaccine, and it strongly impacted her ability to smell. Now, she took the vaccine really kind of being a part of what her doctors are saying is kind of a, a test case. How does the vaccine impact those who are both immune compromised and also those who have survived a significant cancer treatment? So we just don't know. And so we're kind of looking to other places for data, right? Right now we're kind of looking to Israel as a test case. And Israel, without really without any sort of freedoms here, the, the population has been mandated that they will be vaccinated. And so we're going to see Israel sort of emerge as this test case that we'll look to as a data source, really kind of indicating the, well, the data right now we're seeing is kind of scary, but it's indicating that potentially if you were to have battled the, the coronavirus naturally, that perhaps you'd be actually better off. We're seeing data right now, and you know, this is going to lead me to getting canceled, obviously, but because I can't talk about real data, right? But we're seeing data that indicates in young populations and in senior populations that there's a strong disparity that 40 times more likely to die from um, being vaccinated by the Pfizer vaccine if you're a senior than had you just battled coronavirus naturally. This has been run through mathematical models. This is, this is really concerning stuff. Um, to think that all these senior citizens would have contracted coronavirus and battled it naturally and defeated it after obviously experiencing the symptoms that come with it to think that they would have survived i mean shoot we really have to ask questions about is is the cure here actually worse than than the disease i mean maybe we should do a little bit more research here and, and see what's best for us because also too these vaccines are being public just very generally distributed right so, so we might all have different nuances to our personal health we might have different things that affect us on a daily basis. We need to know the differences between each type of vaccine and then also how that, really what that means to us, right? I mean, we have to know what, what implications might come. If I'm a person that has asthma and maybe high blood pressure, which of the vaccines should I take and why? And how much data supports that particular hypothesis? We have to talk to our physicians. We have to talk to people that we trust. We have to make a personal decision for ourselves. When the government goes so far as to say you are mandated to take this vaccine, it takes away a lot of public or a lot of free choice that we as Americans should absolutely have. With Fauci's push for really these these vaccine passports, we may find ourselves in a situation where we can't travel without documented proof of vaccination. So the government or American Airlines, they're not going to care about my you know, my, my survival against cancer or the fact that I deal with an autoimmune disorder or maybe that I'm pregnant, they don't care about that. My passport says I was not vaccinated, therefore I'm not going to be able to travel. You know, if, if we're looking at that, what, what does that sort of creep out to? What sort of legs grow from that when it comes to our personal liberties and our decision making? I am uh, putting a link to that study that you cited about the danger to young people and to 
those who are over 70, especially in our older generation and the dangers that we're seeing and deaths from the from the vaccine. This if we're in an era of, you know, my body, my choice, suddenly it's not your choice. If we're in an era where we say where we say, hey, choice should be respected and we're not giving all the information, then it is not truly a choice. You got all the information and you want to take the the virus, uh, the, the vaccine for the virus, then you have all the information. You are informed. But there is nothing worse than later going, why didn't someone tell me? Uh, someone else that we had on our show, Adam, in recent past talking about the vaccine. And by the way, as you're watching, you can go to My Michelle Live to uh, both of these um, are in past shows, uh, one in our Health Watch show, one in our SciTech show. This is Dr. John Cantonzero um, speaking on our show about the mRNA vaccine and what his concerns are. The mRNA is a segment of a protein that has random type approaches and unspecified actions. So like, in other words, it's unpredictable. You don't know if it's going to do what it's designed to do because of the fact that mRNA in itself has a very short uh, activity span. Everybody wants to think that mRNA is a reliable uh, type of biotechnology that's going to be the best platform to use. Now, it's still obviously still experimental. So it's going to take months to years to see what kind of effects it's going to have. And when you're talking about trying to build herd immunity with a vaccine, millions of people that are going to be uh, pretty much receiving this, uh, we're going to start seeing uh, different type of effects. If they're not immediate, they'll probably happen, you know, as we go down the road. I'm not a proponent of the mRNA because of the fact that it's uh, random, it's it's not specific, uh, and it's unpredictable. Well, so that's Dr. John Cantonzero, co-founder and CEO of Neo7 Logics. He is uh, he has been a doctor for <clears throat> many years and has serious concerns, and he is not alone. There are a lot of folks who do. But you mentioned something, Adam, that was very interesting. Israel, they have chosen a real, uh, almost a totalitarian kind of approach. And it is a great experiment. It's something that we can look at as, as you said, a test case. So, And that's fine. Test case. Mm -hmm. Let's see how it works. But we can't have that mindset with other things that would be a test case. Kind of like, well, I don't know. Let's just say Texas. Come on, Texas. You're in Texas now. You guys are opening up. Yeehaw. I just want to say, Welcome God to bless Texas. Texas. God bless Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's the thing. It's all about personal freedom, right? It's about our liberties. So the governor of Texas and Mississippi both, they're basically putting the power, putting the power of choice back in the hands of the people, back into the, really the, the management of small businesses. So the government is not mandating masks. The government is not mandating occupancy restrictions. The government is allowing businesses and and the citizens of, of the state to make these decisions about whether or not we're going to wear a mask. So why the can't government it be a test not- case? Why can't it, we say, okay, there's Texas. Let's see how how it works. And 
if it is Neanderthal thinking, then it'll prove out. You don't have to name call. Thank you, Mr. President. You can just see how it works. And I'm wondering, do you think that maybe if a business is saying, well, I'm concerned about this, then you know what? Please, upon entering, you must wear a mask. In fact, we're going to provide you with these silly little paper masks. Um, and yeah. you you can come in. We only have 25% capacity. And if people feel concerned, that would be the place that I would go. I'm not going to go to the places that are open. We, everyone coughing on each other, uh, right. dancing, doing the Texas two-step and all of that, right? Absolutely. But, you know, obviously there are those people that are going to make that choice to go to the Texas two-step and they're at the Billy Bob Saloon Dance Hall um, working <laughs> on their square dancing, you know, I mean, or their line dancing, I should say. They're very serious about it there, by the way. You know, I went there <laughs> once, I tripped and fell. It was very embarrassing. And then I quickly went to the bar and, and left shortly after. <laughs> um, but the point is, is we are not you know, we should, if we're going to be a test case, right, like we should have the choice of whether or not we want to be a test case. Um, I think that when it comes to really kind of gaining adoption for a vaccine and, and trying to achieve this this two word combination, so that, that basically herd immunity, right, trying to make herd immunity a real thing. Statistically, you have to get about 80 percent or so of the public to to either be vaccinated or to have the antibodies. Now. It's wrong, though, when you mandate this, it's wrong to force the population to make a, a really a, a, a scientific personal choice about what they're going to do to their body. Um, that's not the government's place. And so I'm glad to see Texas and Mississippi engaging in what some people have called Neanderthal thinking, which I, I mean, I think if you want to point to Neanderthal thinking, I mean, what did Cuomo do to the nursing homes in New York? You know, putting a Ouch. sick patient into a population of others and just seeing what happens right and then well, let's cover that up also let's make sure nobody finds out what we just did that's neanderthal thinking in texas we're just trying to live by the constitution we're just trying to make sure that people have the the right to choose um and that's really the bottom line you know my my business we we allow people to work from home or from the office we allow people to wear a mask or not wear a mask you know if you're sick stay home right yeah. um but but at the end of the day we respect people and we respect that people are are intelligent beings and are we're able to critically think for ourselves we just don't need the government to do that for us uh, if anything when we see the government making decisions about how we should live our everyday lives that's when we have to ask questions and and kind of figure out like well what's the end result and where is this decision coming from and also where's the money behind this campaign by the way so follow the money right you know it's like that's a huge deal here and so when it comes to what fauci is doing there are some interesting connections here between fauci's family and also big tech his daughter has worked for for twitter by the way for seven years and i'm sure she's a good person yada 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 but you know the the apple doesn't fall far from the tree right so yeah i mean follow the money and and when you see data ask questions about where that data came from yeah. what is the end goal behind it yeah, is this you know, coca-cola sponsoring be... a study on high fructose corn syrup to their advantage or is it a uh, yeah. truly independent study what's going on here yeah and and don't be afraid to question it do not be afraid to question it um you know there, there's nothing wrong with uh with Governor Cuomo and uh, 
media Cuomo being brothers. Nothing wrong with that. But question it when they're on congratulating each other and doing the Smothers Brothers routine with who did mom (laughs) love most, right? Uh, There's nothing wrong with Fauci having a daughter that's with Twitter. But question it when Twitter and social media won't allow another point of view. What are you afraid of? If you're living in truth, then let your truth be can't be uh, not canceled, but rather challenge. Instead well, there's of bullying canceled. around this, Michelle. I mean, there's literally bullying coming from those who don't feel like we should be able to do that. You know, Keith Olbermann, obviously, he's a very vocal individual. His tweet was basically, why are we wasting vaccinations on Texas? I mean, what an ignorant thing to say, right? Yeah. What an ignorant thing. The, the bullying that comes from those that are in power in the, you might say, the, the mainstream media, and, and, and by all means, there are very good people in the, quote, mainstream media as well. But to see big, prominent figures with huge platforms and a big following making statements like this to undermine some of these questions that we might have, it's hugely concerning. And it's not just this topic. You know, it's, yeah, it's there's a lot of topics here. A lot you know? of topics, but it's our fault. We've allowed the media to get away with it. I'm going to tell you a bit of a story because I have a background in the media. And when, oh gosh, a million years ago, I started uh, reporting news and writing news. Um, it was such a joy. I came from a time when you had a, a passionate point of view, but it was like a badge of honor to do a report and no one know where you really stood on an issue because you were reporting the issue, not your feelings. That actually felt good. It felt as though I was part of the solution because I'm giving information. When you have that information, you make choices. But Adam, I'm writing news and the man who was training me uh, came in and said, wow, this is good. This is really good writing. However, what we want to do is we want to change this because we want people to think this. If you say this, they can think anything they want. They can come to their Mm. own conclusion. Wasn't that the point? Oh, my goodness. So this was quite a few years ago. And I thought, what are you doing? But that was the mindset, the general mindset. That's how they come out of colleges. Now it's how you're taught. Journalism is no longer about journalism. It's about editorializing and helping people to think the right way. We're not so, Michelle, in schools. We're I'm not teaching you say, kids how to how to learn. We're teaching kids, you know, what they should be learning. So I'm hearing you say then that when you were in a newsroom, your boss or your your superior was basically making you as the journalist alter your story based on whatever their their end goal was or their motivation. Is that right? It was. It was, and that so, was not and, unique. Um, and you work for that's that person, why I became right? a talk so show host rather than a reporter. <laughs> because if I if I'm going to editorialize, I might as well be honest about it, and I might as well present both sides or an alternative side that the rest of us aren't hearing. So yeah, man, I try to think back to the to the good old days, if there were good old days. You know, <laughs> CNN, right back back in the day. Um, what what are your what's your take on that? Was that more of a of a center platform when it first started when Turner was in, in charge? I mean, I, I think that there it's, it's, that there was. I mean, I think that was that was the going idea. Um, some of it is ideological. What also happened is that uh, we 
as a people, and I don't blame the media as much. I really blame us because we as a people, I've said this over and over again. Where's my cell phone? This thing I have in my hand is with me at all times. If it's not, I panic. Within my fingertips is the wealth of human knowledge. And what did we start caring about? What Kim Kardashian was doing? Uh, what's happening with our favorite starlets and stars? You know, we our brains have turned into fermented bread pudding. And so the media, <laughs> along with it, is just reporting this shocking stuff, the, the stuff that maybe we want to hear. Then we get to a point where we're using social media and we surround ourselves with these algorithms that keep feeding us what feels good yeah this is what I believe and sooner or later we're indoctrinated anyone else who thinks differently is bad is evil we have lost subjectivity it's our fault we can blame the mainstream media all we want it's our fault we've got everything we need right here we're too darn lazy to look into it there you go yeah well, well it's human like knowledge solution <laughs> you're, you're so right it's it's like this natural evolution of, you know, kind of this combination of media source or a source of information and these quick hits for satisfaction and gratification and information. And Michelle, we literally have less of an attention span now than a goldfish, which is insane. But yeah, it's well, because I'm of sorry, mobile... I was thinking of something else. What were you saying? <laughs> less of an attention. Span. Yeah. <laughs> oh, butterfly. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely crazy. And, you know, as a digital marketer, I feel like I have to take res some responsibility as well. I mean, we digital marketers are trying to attract clicks to advertisements to get to either like earn money for their client or whatever the goal might be. Uh, it's all about getting clicks and attention and engagement and really social media as, as just a, as a business model, Facebook, the mainstream social media, Facebook, Twitter, they rely on ads and they rely on businesses to spend money on their ad platforms. But the only way those businesses are going to spend money is if they're able to entice people to click on the advertisements to either make a purchase or set up a consultation or whatever that business goal might be. But then you have the, the news media competing for that same attention. And they do so with headlines like Kim Kardashian just broke the internet. And you're just like, what'd she do? What she do? I should, I should or you're like, that. who is that, and why do I yeah, care? <laughs> exactly that explains right. a lot. But what about uh, places like NPR? You know, that at this point now you're saying, okay, now it's the norm, and now the natural result of this road we've been going down is to cancel. And so I wanted to kind of get into the cancel report. We we have a, a whole new list every single week of things that are no longer allowed. Well, we're going to be on this list here soon after talking about COVID. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, I think we need to have t-shirts. I'm going to get them made up. You're going to find them at My Michelle Live. It's just going to say canceled. 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 <laughs> just, you know, preemptive. I'll wear it on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what's new on the canceled list, Adam? You know, Michelle, like, all right, what you ever, you ever read a Dr. Seuss book? Ha 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 ha. Funny you should ask. I mean, my goodness, that's literally on the cancel list, y'all. So here's the thing. So, I, you know, I love Dr. Seuss. I, I read all the books and basically it seems like a group of people are a little bit unhappy with the subject matter of some of Dr. Seuss's first books. Uh, some of the books that he actually uh, concepted while he was traveling from Europe 
to the United States back in 1936 as an immigrant. So they're trying to cancel six of his books. And in a nutshell, the, the response to that was quite interesting, actually. Nine out of 10 books on the Amazon top 10 list are Dr. Seuss books right now. People are trying to buy these books before they're canceled mm. because people don't want them to be canceled. No. So, you know, we're, we're seeing people kind of look at the, the subject matter of some of his children's stories. And by the way, Green Eggs and Ham is safe. Nobody's taken that one away from us. Thank goodness for that. Why but, are the Why are the eggs green? <laughs> mm, you know, I've well, with in my case it was food coloring, and it was <laughs> right? it tasted the same. It didn't it didn't look the same, but it tasted. Oh, the same. just like just like <laughs> skin color, it doesn't really matter. We're still the human race. In Dr. Seuss's books, Adam, when you look at some of these that are canceled, if I ran the zoo is one. What he uses is caricatures, so they're not right. they're not demeaning. They're not saying you know subhuman. They're caricatures of real things in real places in the real world that are just made into silliness. Maybe as a way to kind of explore what's out there uh, they and you can find offense if you want to perhaps we need to have on every book like we have on movies uh, sexual situations violence we even have smoking now uh drug use uh possible racial uh issues and uh, we'll get to that in a minute i watched gone with the wind this week but i did want to share with you uh deep meaning poem that I wrote on behalf of Dr. Seuss that is, uh, I'll put it on uh, the webpage, but it's also on TikTok. Here it is. Beware, beware, the cat in the hat. Horton, he's racist. You should be aghast. All the who's down in Whoville are white. Can't you see? They must be chided and canceled by you and by me. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish teaches math that is racist, not subjective and newish. Dr. Seuss, with his pen and fantastical scribblings, should be feared and hated like a two-headed whibbling. Make room on library shelves for reading books denouncing white privilege with socialist leanings. That is, if you can read, because that's not what we're teaching. We're the woke, tolerant, purveyors of love, unless you're white, male, Christian, or voted for Don. For if you do not align with the think of our group, you too will be canceled like old Dr. Seuss. There you well, go. Well, I feel educated. <laughs> that was Why great. Why can't we write books like that? <laughs> You're very talented, Michelle. Very, very talented. Whoa, whoa. That's Lisa, Michelle, y'all. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Let me get that ouch. autograph. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, so poor Dr. Seuss canceled. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head do not get to identify how they wish to identify. They've been canceled, right. which makes no sense to me because you can take those pieces, unlike humans without a lot of pain and expensive surgery, and put whatever you want wherever you want. So why cancel? You know that you can't even identify as a Mr. or Mrs. because that's just that's just wrong. It's hateful. I'm so confused. It's absurd. I mean, it's absurd to see these these concepts that I think we've grown up with in some ways or that have influenced us at various points in of our of our lives be literally canceled. I mean, just the the idea of being canceled is so un-American. It's 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 just so crazy. Let's let's look back here just at, the, at recent history. Dr. Seuss 
Uh, Eminem is another one. I mean, okay, you cannot. All right, listen. No one's going to be able to cancel Eminem. Like, the guy can't even cancel himself. Like, he's got too much game when it comes to just responses and rap battles. And I think Gen Z tried to, like, beat him up a little bit with Machine Gun Kelly with this little rap battle between Machine Gun Kelly versus Eminem. But the dude is so talented. He's got a response for everything. And people are still going to buy his albums. You know, I saw a quote on Twitter. It was something like, Millennials try to cancel Eminem. But then he released a movie and made tons of money and then released some more music. And just you cannot stop that, you know, and so it's happening with guns. We're trying to cancel guns. And there, especially during the pandemic, no one had anything better to do than to go out and buy more guns and ammunition. You couldn't find it anywhere. Crazy. No way. But it's crazy to say, okay, Eminem is a guy who's promoting violence. I mean. Looking back to even like Tupac Shakur, right? He used art to kind of um, describe, obviously, a very intimate uh, social reality that he was experiencing just as an American. Eminem uses art to, like with Rihanna, to talk about domestic violence. And people misinterpret what might look at, what might sound like angry lyrics. Um, they don't understand sort of what the overall context might be to to a piece of art that might be a rap song um so to People say that Eminem's sitting here looking trying to... to be offended this is from one right. of our <clears throat> our live comments people are searching for things to be offended by we can look deeply uh into what's happening what we're seeing uh television shows and we can if we're really looking for we can find a demon under any rock to support the way that we feel and i find it pretty dangerous um we're we're getting to the point where uh it's brother against brother anymore oh yeah oh yeah without question it's really concerning and it's really sad to see you know there's there's um all sorts of people that are kind of talking about the fact that cancel culture will quite literally get rid of diversity of thought and it'll get rid of open conversations that lead towards more productive realities and, and and more productive end results, right? We, we need to be able to listen to things that we don't like or that make us feel a little bit insecure. We need to be able to listen to them and then have an actual conversation about maybe why we don't like what we're hearing and why we feel the way we feel, you know, without that dialogue, we lose so much as a country. We're going to literally end up like, shoot, like China right now. You know, you cannot have a free thought over there that the government doesn't put in your brain, right? God forbid we think of something creative and different. Um, That's what makes our country amazing. That's why we're, we're one of the most innovative forces in the world. We create the best companies, the best technology, the best healthcare, the best education system. We are so far from perfect, but the day that we stop people from using their own minds and and celebrating their their individual differences and and their unique characteristics and backgrounds, we're in a rough spot, right? And so I think to see a lot of big, I think, influencers, both in parts of the political spectrum, but also in Hollywood, Hollywood of all places, step up to say, you know what, we feel differently than what you're seeing on Twitter, and we feel differently than what you're hearing from the politicians in DC. Um, we have we have thoughts of our own. You know, it's great to see that we're not the only ones, right? And ideas are not dangerous, right? 
<clears throat> when people go off the rails and turn it into a physical battle, then yeah, that's dangerous and it's silly. And the reason we get there is because we've lost the ability to dialogue. You may think differently than me. Come on, bring it on. Let's talk about it. We have we have devolved into an ad hominem. Uh, we cannot any longer argue about things or take that we have to cut down to well you are bad you are evil we have lost the ability we've also lost the ability to look at the past we want to erase and cancel the past tear down statues instead of maybe putting on there this is what this was about and getting people to think think remember that oh yeah this oh week gosh, I mentioned yeah. I watched Gone with the Wind again for the upteenth billion time. It does now come with a warning that there will be scenes of racism. Uh, thoughtfully, though, saying, you know, we need to look at this and, and learn from it, which is really true. Um, it gives you an insight into what life was like in the South and from a, a southerner's point of view, which is very important. If you want to grow and find out what happened, what was the mindset, who were some of the good people, how were you would you even see some of the change, Adam, that uh, in mindsets of people saying, well, we were good to our slaves and I wanted to free them once, you know, once my dad passed away. You, you heard a lot of that and it helps you to understand where we were so we never go back. Without question, if we forget about our history and we forget about why we're where we are, what happens when history repeats itself, right? And in, in, in one way or another, like incredibly now? scary stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're I canceling. Mean, yeah, and I know <laughs> you've got a trip to right, and you've got a trip to Houston coming up soon, right? The Civil yep, War literally stopped in Galveston, um, just outside of Houston, and frankly, it stopped a lot. I forgot the timing. It was like a year or so, maybe a little bit more after the actual documents were signed, ending the Civil War. You know, that that was one of the most awful things that could have happened in our history. But um, and, and to think of a repeat of that is just absolutely devastating. We have to be able to have discussions and we have to be able to communicate. And by canceling ideas and canceling conversations, you create a pressure cooker that literally boils. And then over time, that pressure cooker explodes and you're either in, in a, a, a violent military conflict or you're in a very heated exchange that leads to nothing but destruction, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a terrible thing to even think about. So as a country, we have to just use our heads, take a breath and have a conversation with our neighbors about what we're feeling, why we're feeling it. And the interesting thing is, Michelle, I think you and I spoke a couple times ago, but we will find that we have a lot more in common with our neighbors than not. And that's Come just the on. reality. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. and I may just be a couple of carrots floating around in the cauldron of bubbling, boiling, crazy soup that America is right now. <clears throat> but having a conversation and, and uh, giving more information than what we're getting that is part of the solution as long as we still have the freedom to broadcast that and as long as we do we'll keep doing it here adam rosieri is chief marketing officer at agency partner interactive um, we have a link of course everywhere that you're going to be listening to this and in, in the podcast version and he is the man that gives us the riz report let's review the week the riz report with adam rosieri Thanks so, so cool. much for listening. <laughs> and don't forget, you can find us at mymichellelive.com. 
My Michelle Live comes to you with thanks from one of our affiliates in particular, Real Bearded Men. Check out their products, all for our bearded listeners. All my brothers with beards, raise up your beards, let that thing grow wild from ear to ear. They say you're so cute, clean shaven, I'm so sorry, dear. This ain't no shave, no members, no shaving. Our brothers with beards. We have a special deal with Real Bearded Men. Go to our website, get a coupon code, and use the link. You'll get the best deal on products for men with beards. I want to share with you something that's changed my life. Uh, It's a product, and I used to take it when they paid me to talk about it at the radio station. And when I left my job, I stopped taking the product, right? And everything went south. It's Calitrin. It is a collagen supplement and the best out there. A lot of people take it for weight loss. I mean, people are losing anywhere from 10 to a couple hundred pounds. That's great. But for me, what it did is it helped me sleep. It helped me focus. My hair, skin, and nails were looking spectacular. It is amazing for those who may have arthritis, achy joints, that kind of thing. But man, it really is a fountain of youth in a bottle, and I could feel its effects when I stopped taking it. So I contacted them and said, hey, do you want to be an affiliate? You know, you don't you have to sponsor my show. Just give me an opportunity to get the product at a special deal and to share that with my listeners. And that's what we're doing. So go to mymichellelive.com, click on the link and learn more about Calitrin, my favorite product. Welcome. It is entertaining to get into the weekend as we do our weekend review. We're taking you into our entertainment review. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Love it. My Michelle Live Entertainment Review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Uh, but not just Michelle. We have the one and only Adam Holtz getting us plugged into the I'm movie. I'm pretty cool. Plugging you into the movies. This is Adam Holtz. At least once a week, he gets to be pretty cool. And I'd say we should just give you, we, you need a raise. You need to get at, right up to absolutely right. cool. I will, uh, I'll tell you where to send the letter in or the email and we'll see if that happens. <laughs> hey, it's good to connect with you, Mr. Adam Holtz, as we get plugged into the movies. There is actually a lot to talk about and that's There's good There's a lot news. to talk about. Good news because it's been slim pickings and we've been, uh, everyone's watched everything. Um, but there's a lot happening. And um, yep. even we'll try to get into more of the Plugged In Movie Awards, which is always great for listeners to plug into themselves and right. uh, give their own opinions on. But first, let's talk mm-hmm. about some things coming up. We have uh, at least four family films that might be worth yeah. a see. Yeah, you know, let's start with Raya and The Last Dragon. Let's catch you up. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye. My daughter, 
I believe our people can come together again. But someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery. Let's go. We'll have to watch our backs. We're not the only ones looking. Six years of searching. Please let this be it. Who said that? We really need your help. Ah, I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not like the best dragon. Have you ever done like a group project, but there's like that one kid who didn't pitch in as much, but still ended up with the same grade? Uh, we're doomed. Uh, it's spelled R-A-Y-A, but it's pronounced Raya. Uh, and Disney was kind enough to send me a screener, but apparently they don't trust me completely yet because it didn't work on my computer. So I had to watch it on my phone. So first <laughs> watched a movie for work on my phone. It was probably a smaller experience than, than they're hoping people have. Um, this is a movie that is in theaters. And if you have Disney plus you can uh, pony up 29.99 and watch it. And honestly, this movie might be worth that. If you got a couple kids in your family really watching it. Yeah. This is the, the newest Disney princess, uh, Raya. And it's it's set in a land that is not China, but is very much like China. It has a Chinese kind of vibe to it. Uh, okay. it it's an incredibly complex plot. So I will simplify it and say that Raya is a princess who teams up with the last dragon, hence the title, and they have to find shards of a crystal that are spread out throughout five warring nations that used to be one nation, put them back together to be able to fend off these monsters that are turning everyone to stone. Um, that's the really short version. It's actually significantly more complicated than that, but uh, that'll do for our purposes. Uh, this was a delightful movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Wow. Uh, some magic and some Chinese sort of mythology, but okay. um, and that I think is really a big problem in any way from that point of view. And, you know, a little bit of mild peril. Some people get turned to stone. Some people get turned back into flesh from being turned into stone. Terrific movie about the importance of trust, of forgiveness, of giving people a second chance, even when they've let us down and really almost, um, a Christian movie at all, but it almost has this sense of if you could undo the sin that separates us, what kind of a world would we have? Now, they don't use the word sin, but we see them treating each other badly and then being reunited. So I, I think you could run all kinds of directions with this movie well, in terms of spiritual messages. There you go. You know, you work with Paul AC. I've said this I about do. him. The dude can spiritualize freaking burnt toast. No, I mean, we could drop Is that a true? block on, on, on his head and Paul <laughs> would have a spiritual connection. Actually, when I saw this movie, I thought, I have to tell Paul about this. He's not reviewing it. <laughs> Smith because I thought, oh, Paul could write a book on this movie. He would have a feel. That's glorious. I'm so glad you yeah. agree with me on that. Yeah, Paul yeah, is amazing absolutely. that I way. I actually had that thought. 
Um, and that's really good news. Uh, you know, even with some of the controversy that Disney gets itself into politically, uh, when they yeah. put out product, they have a formula and it works. And I think they're smart enough monetarily to know if they don't mess with that formula, they're going to do well. Right. And, you know, I think we have sort of the traditional collection of Disney princesses. And over the last, oh, I don't know, roughly 20 years, I mean, you could probably go back to even Mulan in the 90s. It's sort of the next generation of, of Disney princesses. Uh, and I've read a couple of reviews that says that um, that Raya really is one of the best new ones. And I would agree with that. I, okay. I really, really enjoy her character. She kind of, they kind of remind me, the way they did it kind of reminds me of Rey from Star Wars. Uh, and there are a number of scenes where she's almost in a treasure hunting mode. It's got at certain points almost a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of flair to it as well. Um, so it's one, and, and I don't say this very often, after I see a movie, I want to take my family to it. So I guess that's probably a pretty a pretty high recommendation. But as always, you'll want to read our full review and just make sure that it's okay for your family, although I don't think there are any huge deal killers here. You know, I actually would like to see Disney do some Disney princes. <laughs> we've yeah. had we've had princess after princess after princess after princess. And <clears throat> we've really ignored young boys. You know, so the, the yeah. good characteristics, the brave characteristics, compassion, strength. Um, why don't we see that? Why not? That's a great question. And in fact, I'm sure Paul AC has had that question, but I had not actually thought of it until you brought it up right now. So, I mean, it's it's funny that we're living in this moment where some blend of equity and equality and those things are not the same things and we're not going down that rabbit trail are sort of front and center in everything that we're dealing with, but we're not Disney that that would be an interesting thing for them mm -hmm. to explore. So, Disney, if you're listening, you need to give Michelle, uh, you know, credit on that one. Uh, <laughs> maybe a royalty when you do it. I, no I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't complain. A royalty for the <laughs> While we're still Disneying right now, uh, you and I have been fans of WandaVision, the, and and I oh. think it's very important to talk about WandaVision this week. Uh, WandaVision started out. Uh, with their series in this uh, very innocent uh, 1950s sitcom, family-friendly, almost too over-the-top, like, you know, I could just watch Dick Van Dyke reruns if I really wanted to, right. you know. But they had so, uh, a, an underlying plot that kept drawing you in, right? If you get yes. past the first no, couple, right. you're going, oh, wow, this is great. This, okay, I see what's going on here. This last week, you really have to be aware. It is yeah flipping dark it is dark. dark it is dark and i mean okay very small spoiler warning um there hasn't been much content i mean there's been a smattering of language and a little bit of violence as things have ramped up each episode but not even that much of that uh but this last week uh all of a sudden we had massive witchcraft issues that sort of came in out of nowhere. Now, again, this isn't a real big 
spoiler warning for anybody who knows anything about Wanda Maximoff, because her name in the Avengers for the last 50 years is the Scarlet Witch. So, uh, again, it's not a huge spoiler warning, but I was a little bit surprised that it went as deep into a witchcrafty kind of place uh, as it did. And, and this week we're, we're you know, having our conversation today before the final episode of season one uh, rolls you know, to completion tomorrow. So we're going to have to see what they did with it. But I agree with you. It definitely took a very dark turn uh, and one that kind of caught me completely by surprise, actually. Me too. <laughs> it, it, uh, I guess the light goes off because you're thinking, you know, oftentimes we've been watching WandaVision with family, most of us, right? right. Uh, with families. So <clears throat> if you haven't watched it or if you have, you may have been like, uh, ooh, and that's why, you know, it's always good to go to Plugged In before if you can and and yeah. just be aware. You could you can see in some series where they do take it a little darker and a little darker and a little darker. Yep. Uh, you saw that with the Harry Potter series. It went darker and right. darker. Um, so WandaVision. Yeah, if you looked at the at the transition you could see a little bit of edging but man they've dropped off the cliff this last one they really yeah really i thought did. so too and you know i think it's i think it's navigable but it's certainly ramped up that darkness or ramped it down to use your dropped off a cr- cliff phrase uh in ways that again it really caught me flat-footed i'm like whoa okay wow i guess that's where they're going <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's well. So um, I'll be interested in seeing what happens this next uh, iteration, this next episode. But something that I would say, as long as we're still in the Disney world, um, I watched, enjoyed. I've seen it in the past, but it's been long enough. I kind of forgot it. And it's Tuck Everlasting. Deep within these woods lies a mysterious spring whose secret will change one family's life for all time. One of the most beloved American novels becomes an epic motion picture about the choices we make and the lives we touch along the way. Don't be afraid of death, Winnie. Be afraid of the unlived life. Tuck Everlasting. Oh, yeah. You know, it's been a minute since I saw Tuck Everlasting, and if I rewind my mental tapes, uh, it ends up kind of sad, doesn't it? Tell it, me it, a little more about it. It ends up a little bit sad, <clears throat> but uh, it's a family uh, from, uh, now I'm thinking, they've been alive. This family's been alive for, you know, 150 years or 100, uh, you know, 110 years or so. They drank from some spring that gave them I don't know if it was, they didn't say eternal life, but uh, they became kind of immortal. You know, they just don't die. Uh, and so they're they're actually a really good family. Um, they've had to 
endure some prejudice of you know when they have let their secret out of, of people saying well you're you're of the devil you're you know but they don't adhere to anything that seems to be inappropriate uh, they've they in fact have a really good uh, outlook on it and they don't think that this everlasting kind of life on earth is really a good thing you make room for new people it's not really life unless you have this uh, circle of life of you know you live then you die and and such so it's not glorifying that in fact they heavily guard the secret because they don't want bad people being able to live forever the youngest boy falls in love with a local girl whose father owns the woods that they live in Um, and uh, shenanigans ensue they have to yeah what can you say i would just want to stop you there and say I can put that in every review I have ever read. That's where you have to. Ensue. That's, just, that's great. <laughs> Shenanigans ensue. Um, and she has to make the decision if she wants to drink from the well and spend the rest of eternity, so to speak, uh, with him or give herself to, you know, the natural order of things so kind of like r1 and aragorn in lord of the rings right yes yes thank you that was the your geek moment of the day and i liked it absolutely adam Uh, and so that's why i was not called cool in high school (laughs) now but you are very cool now. In fact, can we just do it? I'm pretty cool. I know you. Movies, this is Adam Hole. I know you kind of cringe inside every time I do it, but uh, no, you know, I, I just roll with it. I you roll. just roll, buddy. So um, I won't tell you the ending and give it away, but there is there is that struggle there. It is well done. They, in fact, I think one of the pivotal things in the movie is when somebody uh, unrelated to the core of the of the story dies and they talk about scripture and, and their prayers uh, kind of get her thinking. So, so I have a confession to make. I just realized as you started talking that the reason I was reluctant to say anything is because in my head, my grande cabeza here, um, sorry, if I'm appropriating Hispanic culture, forgive me. That's not my, <laughs> uh, we have to be careful these days. Um, I realized that Tuck Everlasting and Watership Down have become one file in my head. And so when you said Tuck oh, okay. had Watership Down, which is a really disturbing movie. Oh, that's sad. It's outright disturbing. Yeah. And it's so a cartoon-ish animated. We're not talking about rabbits. We're talking about people who live forever. So yes. thank you for clarifying that. Because my mind had uh, messed it up. So, Tuck Everlasting, uh, maybe a family film, younger kids, uh, you know, real young, is definitely. Is it on Disney Plus or what prompted It you is on to- Disney Plus. Okay. It is okay. on Disney Plus. So, now that we've lingered in the Disney world, uh, yes. let's, let's move on to some other family movies. Tom and Jerry, Bigfoot Family. Yes, yes we, we're covering all of the bases this week there is uh there's animation for everybody we have tom and jerry bigfoot family and wait for it the spongebob movie sponge on the run so tom and jerry yes is that tom and jerry uh i had looked it up earlier this week they have been around since 1940 
So this cat and mouse are 81 years old, which in cat years is like, you know, we're talking biblical numbers at this point, right? <laughs> uh, miraculously, they never age. It's like Spider-Man. Spider-Man never gets older. Uh, whatever. Uh, rift in the space-time continuum there. I'll be, I'll be nerdy again for a minute. This is a Tom and Jerry story that is mashed up with live action, uh, a live action story. Chloe Grace Moretz plays a 20-something who works at a, a really posh New York hotel. There's a big wedding that's going to be there. And uh, Jerry has moved in and made himself at home because, you know, as a mouse, he just wants the best. And uh, she's charged with getting rid of the mice. She hires Tom the cat. And uh, you know what happens next? Tom and Jerry happen next. Uh, there are a couple OMGs. That's about as bad as, as anything gets here. Uh, but it's basically a Tom and Jerry cartoon stretched out to two hours with Chloe Grace Moretz, which is a mouthful to say, uh, sort of uh, providing comic relief in between there. Okay. Is it worth a see? I mean, do you get, do you get what you expect? That's really the, the yeah, I mean, question. Not but, is it worth a see, but really, is it what we expect of Tom and Jerry? We totally. have seen cartoons and cartoons that were made into live action that you're going, that's not the film that, nah. that I thought it would be. So, It's what you would expect. And honestly, it's so much what you can expect that I would just go to YouTube and watch Tom and Jerry and save your money. <laughs> watch a 10, you know, it's sort of like the Saturday Night Live skits that work as 10 minute skits that are hysterical. But then when they try to stretch them into two hours, it's a disaster. And I'm looking at you, Night at the Roxbury, funny for five minutes, if inappropriate. Two hours is torture. So <laughs> do we two-hour Tom and Jerry movie? Probably not. But if you love Tom and Jerry, I don't think you're going to be radically disappointed. And it may be something that kids can watch without too much worry. Too much worry. No, okay. it's... Uh, and it's on HBO Max and in theaters. So it's a Warner Brothers property. It's one of their 21 movies that they're doing that with this year. Well, if I see it, I'll wait till it comes out on, you know, whatever streaming service I happen to have for free. But exactly. Bigfoot Family looks kind of cute, actually. It's kind of cute. You know, if you got a Bigfoot hankering, it, <laughs> it sort of gets the job done. It's a sort of... Um, it's an environmentalist parable of sorts. And I think the more that cause is important to you, the more you will resonate with this movie. Okay, the so let me stop you. Does that mean it's kind of preachy? Because I, I'm, I, for one, am tired of politics everywhere. You know, you can't go to a coffee shop without getting a shot or two of politics in your latte. Right. So I, I just want, I don't want to be preached at unless I'm going now to then church. Skip, then skip this one. Okay. You'll get, you, uh, um, this is a movie in which Bigfoot, who it turns out used to be a human being named Dr. Harrison, conducted some genetic experiments, became Bigfoot, somehow had a family I'm not sure. Just don't ask. You know, don't. It just is what it is. Just accept it. Uh, he has a son named Adam, which is a good name. Uh, his son <laughs> does not have fur. They both have superpowers, and they face off against an evil oil company that wants to pollute the environment, and they want to have the evil oil company not pollute the environment. So that's the story. <laughs> 
Okay, because that's what evil oil companies always want to do. Well, I mean, honestly, is there an oil company in a movie that is not also evil? Well, I no. Would- um, and and that's kind of part of the, the sadness of it is that we oversimplify. Uh, man, right. I am all about protecting the environment. The environment is important. We should be great yeah. caretakers. We just did Absolutely. a show on on Tuesday. So if you're watching this, you may want to hop over to My Michelle Live and watch our SciTech Talk show. We had uh, Dr. Hugh Ross. We had... I mean, we talked about uh, not uh, anti-climate change, certainly, but what is really going on and what are real solutions beyond the politics. And so I think if we start real young with kids saying, oh, no, it's just oversimplified and, you know, these people are evil, then, you know, we can indoctrinate them into into groupthink at an early age. So I stay away from movies like that. Well, it's so many things. I feel like it has been in some quarters, it's woven into the progressive dogma. And as Christians, we ought to be at the front of the line of people who have been charged in Genesis with being stewards of God's creation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the first job that we were given. And so we have a responsibility to, to ask the question, what does it look like for us to be good stewards? Um, but by the same token, it's not a religion and we don't worship the environment. And at some point when you, and I'm way off on a tangent here, but the environmental thing can almost have a religious or a quasi religious vibe to it. The further into that sort of super progressive left area that you get, but I'll stop now before I get in trouble. Well, where would this uh, interaction between you and I be if we didn't go down some kind of tangent. If I wasn't I mean, potentially fired for something I said. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps it on the edge. It keeps it on right? the edge. All right, let's let's just go to something that I'm ho- hopefully you can't go wrong with this uh, movie SpongeBob on the Run. Get ready for the ultimate rescue mission. We've got to go help them. Yeah! In the all new SpongeBob movie. This is going to be like. One of those buddy movies. <laughs> With Aquafina. You're fired. Danny Trejo. Snoop Dogg. Yes, boys, Bob. Tiffany Haddish. Seriously, folks, I'm floundering up here. And Keanu Reeves. Call me Sage. Good name. I'm made out of Sage and I am a Sage. So it works out pretty well. See how the gang all met. And experience SpongeBob's biggest adventure ever. Gary, we're coming for you! Sorry. Seize them! Yeah. Patrick, what are you doing? Free food! The all-new SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. So there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who like SpongeBob and, and people who don't. Weirdly enough, I thought I was the kind that didn't like SpongeBob. And then my kids started watching it and I started watching it with them. I'm like, okay, I can do without that underwear joke. I can do without <laughs> this thing that's mildly inappropriate, but mostly just inane, right? I mean, it, it's more ridiculous than inappropriate. Um, and we went through this SpongeBob phase together and I came out the other end 
kind of a closet SpongeBob fan. <laughs> it's funny, but it's geeky funny. It is uh, funny. Um, and I know that a lot of people read into it, and I and that's where uh, <clears throat> that's where I I'm not going to fault you. You have to do you. You have to do your family. But uh, some of the things that maybe we see as inappropriate, uh, we ascribe inappropriateness i don't get the feeling that that's the intention it's just excuse me meant to be silly and it's funny and and it's it's inane to a fault like my daughter got turned and we went through this spongebob binge phase and i'm like okay one episode's funny guys you're on your third one Go get some orange juice. Go outside. Play. Let's take a break. <laughs> right? Um, but this is um, – the thing I like about SpongeBob is there is a really earnest affection for relationship. That SpongeBob is a character who cares about the other people. Well, none of them are people. The other characters in his world. Uh, and in this one, uh, his uh, BFF – uh, snail friend Gary gets snail napped. And so SpongeBob and Patrick have to head off to find who took Gary. Why would you take, why would you take a snail? Well, it turns out there's a bad character out there who likes eating snails. So, Ooh. you know, SpongeBob <clears throat> is in the case. Uh, like I said, he's got go you're into SpongeBob and you're like, Oh, cool. Another SpongeBob movie. Or you're like, mm, I don't think so. So, okay. <clears throat> and there's some vanity, there's some mildly inappropriate stuff. One of the things that's a little bit concerning here, content wise, there are multiple scenes with characters gambling. And so they kind of turn gambling into a joke. Um, and I think that is not an issue that we should treat lightly. Uh, and it's one that I think our culture increasingly gambling is a so what issue. But I grew up in a time when gambling was a no no. You know, if you wanted to gamble, you would go to Las Vegas and, you know, good people didn't do that. I mean, that's sort of where I grew up in Iowa okay. in the 1970s and 80s. But but I think that we don't want to minimize gambling and gambling addiction <laughs> as an issue. And there's a little bit of that here. So that's probably one of the bigger issues that people should know about. But again, you can read our full review and um, and see if this is something you think your family can navigate or not. And that's at PluggedIn.com, where I also found that Correct. there is a TV show, a new TV show, SpongeBob Under Years. Yes. And honestly, I'm going to, you caught me. Yeah. Michelle, more than anybody I talk to each week, you managed to pick the one thing that I have not actually read. So <laughs> we talked about earlier is our TV guy, and he edits and publishes uh, and puts up most of our TV reviews. So I have not actually read that one yet. It was on my list for this week. So I'm, I'm going to guess, even though guessing is not a smart thing to do, that we're in similar territory. But uh, yeah, I'm not real familiar with it, but I did notice it. And I thought it was worth a mention. Can't I'm looking at the uh, plugged in website, uh, camp, Coral SpongeBob's Under Years. It looks like it's for the younger audience. Speaking of indoctrination, you can indoctrinate your kids into the SpongeBob world nice and early. So, well, and, and, and let me just go back and say, you know, there was a huge controversy back in the day about, you know, is there 
is there some sort of homosexual undercurrent to SpongeBob? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love what you had to say about it. You know, we all bring our own stuff to this and we have to sort of think through these things ourselves, but I don't think it's intended. What's changed from when that controversy happened is now we have all sorts of kids programming that has an explicit and intentional um, message in the, in that direction. And so it's funny what was once controversial is like now, no, SpongeBob is pretty much the same as it's always been, Mm -hmm. but we do these other things. We have to be paying attention to what the culture is dealing with this issue. Well, that's where I wanted to get into one of our rabbit trails, if you don't mind. And that is, uh, we are engaged in this world in a pretty heavy cancel culture. Um, But what we're seeing today you know, we've seen before, but we've also seen it in the faith-based realm where we have canceled yep. out anything that we think. Um, and the Bible says, stay away from all appearances of evil. So I get yep. that. But where does staying away from something, protecting my family and seeing demons under every rock and thing and ascribing things that may not be there and then canceling off, where have we set the stage for what we're seeing uh-huh. today just on another? from another angle? I think that's a great question. And I think as Christians, sometimes in the name of, in the name of something like purity, I think that we can throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, we can maybe ascribe motivation or intent based on very little evidence when it wasn't there. That was not the intent and it's not actually there. And I think what we hope that Plugged In helps you do is to think deeply about the stuff that is there. And we all have to make decisions about what's appropriate, what is inappropriate, and, and how we respond to those things with our family. And as you said, I think that certainly there are pockets where we do throw a lot of things out, whereas I think that we, not to say that that's wrong, but we want to encourage people to think critically and theologically about all of this stuff. And there's nuance there. It's not just a soundbite. It's not usually all black or all white. Most things have a whole bunch of stuff that's in between. And we want to engage with that. And we want to teach our kids how to think critically about that so that when they're out in the world and they don't have us making those decisions for them, mm-hmm. they engage with wisely and biblically you use the word engage and i think that's part of the importance of it when you're seeing something that's outright in your face you you know you you, sometimes you got to walk away when you see things and we can ascribe things can we instead use it as a point of engagement look there is truth to who God is. There's truth to a hope that's in the gospel message. There's truth in Jesus Christ. And man, it's exciting. But, you know, on one end, we're not uh, hardcore salesmen going, you know, that should be going door to door and stuffing it down, you know, someone's gullet when they're not interested. God's If God's right. calling you and you're looking for answers, we should be there. And sometimes we can utilize common grounds, things that we've seen. We can can Paul, can we say we can Paul AC it? We can take some of the, the things that we I see. I will tell him in, that you turned him into a verb. He <laughs> we can take the things that we see, uh, shared experiences, movies, and say, you know what? This 
isn't this kind of pointing to something that is a deeper story like what we find Absolutely. on my michelle live the god story looking for that deeper story um i read a book and i wish i had it here because i want to recommend it to you um and i'm going to be speaking with him again his uh he's written a book uh the unknown god and matthew paul i believe is his name forgive me matthew if i got your last name wrong but he's he wrote a book talking about every religion uh has like an avatar uh, or a uh a, a a savior kind of a thing that tries to be what we're all looking for the real true god in the person of jesus christ they don't get there but they have something that shows that that's what they're really looking for. And right. so what what many people are doing, like uh, Daniel Kekava uh, with the Aloha Keakua Ministries, going through into indigenous people who have already have a, a, an unknown God, so to speak, a, a God that, that of creation and saying, you know what, this is what you're really looking for. So it's about engagement. And we can do that with movies. There's sometimes you walk away and other times, instead of looking for demons under every rock, uh, use it as a learning moment for your kids. Maybe just a, just yep. tossing it out there. Well, and I think that we can circle back to Raya and the Last Dragon as an example. Here, here's something that it clearly draws from Chinese mythological culture. It deals with magic. There's a different creation story now, you could look at that and rightly say, you know, because of all of those things, uh, our family's going to avoid that. That is totally legitimate. You can mm -hmm. make that decision. I also think it's, it's a legitimate decision to say, here's an opportunity to engage with a story and do some comparative religion work. Um, and I have a degree in religion from a secular university, so I'm not afraid of doing comparative religion. Um, and because of our faith, we have a muscular faith, Michelle. We have a muscular worldview. We can, with confidence, talk about ideas from different worldviews and say, well, what is similar to Christianity? What is different? What do we make of that? I'd love to hear that. It's about time in our discussion where we talk about the hits and the misses, uh, at least one movie, television show, something we'd like to recommend and something to stay clear of. And I do not mind starting uh, something that okay. I, ju I just want to get the ugly out of the way first. I I didn't not I not only didn't like it, I, I would put this in the hate it category hate okay. it don't waste your time netflix i care a lot what oh, a yeah. miserable horrible film it is nasty in uh, just about every way it feels horrible from the beginning the the unfairness the ugliness and and i will be honest i fast forwarded it through you know 80 percent of it I wanted to see, is there a redemptive message? Is there, you know, does does, does it turn out? No, there really is not. No, uh, it just takes weirdness and nastiness and, and puts another huge dollop on top. I and mean, glorifies it and it's yeah, it's sad totally. it's just there's nothing there really it, the, I think the, I, the only good thing 
The only good thing in this movie is a son that does indeed love his mother. And you see that at least in, in, in a couple of scenes. And when uh, when he holds her at one point, you can see that he loves her. That's the only thing. So if you well, really and- have to see the movie, just fast forward to that part. Watch three seconds of a son giving a mother a hug and move on to something else. Yeah, and it's about a woman who shamelessly manipulates elderly people into um, being in a... Their guardian. She becomes their guardian. And then steals everything from them, puts them in homes that they live live miserable existence, completely separated from their families. She separates them from everyone, and it's just horrific abuse. And then there's a weird sort of moralistic twist where she maybe gets a little bit of her own medicine back at her, but it's not even satisfying. I mean, it's just, the whole thing's just kind of gross. Yeah. So I I care a lot about my integrity and my time. So I will stay away from, I care a lot and I hope you do too. But one thing I did love, and this is more for um, adults, uh, but not in the, it's an adult movie type sense at all it's uh julian fellows who put together downton abbey julian fellows presents dr thorne dr thorne is uh uh, just it's a beautiful kind of a um along the lines of um, sense and sensibility or pride and prejudice and jane austen type uh but um one that I had not seen, really well done. It's in a kind of a mini series form, and I binged watched it and loved it. It was it was well done. It had good uh, a good message. It it was just lovely. I loved it. Loved it. Well, I'm gonna go in a pretty bizarre direction for my picks this week because what I'm gonna recommend is rated R, and what I'm gonna say stay away from was actually totally innocuous the first time around um it's rare that i would say he here's an r-rated movie that is worth your potential consideration but this is you'll you'll understand the exception when i say it there's a new documentary out on netflix on the singer billy eilish um and it's called uh the world's a little blurry so billy eilish exploded onto the scene six years ago when she was 13 uh, she grew up in an entertainment family. Her parents worked in the industry in Los Angeles. She was homeschooled. She has a really interesting story. She has Tourette's syndrome. She has wrestled with depression and a lot of darkness in her life. She uploaded this song and overnight, I mean, it was sort of like the definition of a viral phenomenon. And six years later, she continues to be a voice for, I guess, Gen Z um, that she She's shockingly raw at times. Her music can be hard to listen to, uh, and she deals with difficult subjects. Um, and this that's the case with this documentary. It's rated R primarily for some harsh profanity. Um, so it's not something I would watch with a 12-year-old. But I think if you have a son or a daughter who is into Billie Eilish, I always want to call her Eilish, but it's Eilish, um, you owe it to yourself if you have Apple TV Plus to watch this, just to get a sense of, who is this person? And she's incredibly creative. She's pretty thoughtful, 
there's also enormous darkness in there. I mean, she talks about depression. She talks about suicide. Uh, she talks about cutting. She talks about the stuff that she's been through. And I think it's an important film because it's so representative of where so many kids are today. Uh, and it'll help you understand where she is coming from. And depending on, you know, how old your kids are and if they are fans, maybe you watch it with them and, and you have a conversation about, well, what does, what's going on with her? What's her worldview? Where is she coming from? What do you identify with? What are you concerned about? Cause there are some things to be concerned about here. So um, interesting, interesting film. Yeah, I, I, I concur. It kind of gives you an inside look into Gen Z, which yes. we're, Gen Z still hasn't figured out Gen Z. So, right. uh, and you Thankfully, hear it Gen in her X music. Is on the job, though. We're, we're figuring it out. <laughs> putting them all in their little boxes. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're yeah. welcome, Gen Z. We're always here for you. <laughs> I like it. And, yeah, Billie Eilish. Yeah, not, not my kind of music. It's very emo, um, but but super catchy. I mean, and creative beyond and creative. beyond the in the box same six writers for oh, you man. know the pretty people kind of music. So I I love it in that. Uh, so what is your stay away from your miss right. of the week? Are you ready? Yeah. Punky Brewster is back, and oh, Punky no. Brewster is not worth your time. Okay. <laughs> so some of us have a certain tender age and we're not talking to you, Gen Z. We're now talking to fellow Gen Xers. Remember Soleil, Soleil Moon Fry from the 80s as kind of a, an orphan outsider kid who gets adopted into this family and great messages about adoption. Those messages are still here in this Latter-day reboot. Uh, she has gone through a divorce. She has a couple of her own children uh, adopted children, foster children. There's some great messages here about family, but man, there's some nasty, inappropriate stuff that I'm just like, you know, is somebody getting paid to make sure we have a couple wink, wink, dirty jokes in here? And I, I personally, where I sort of get my moral indignation all riled up is when people take things that are mostly pure and there's this determination to naughty it up. And mm -hmm. there's not a lot, but my tolerance for it is really low, personally. Uh, you know, there's a, a veiled joke referencing pubic hair. And I'm like, no, I don't need pubic hair in a Punky Brewster episode. Yeah. I just don't. Um, it's not necessary. And so um, I get frustrated. That's where I get frustrated with stuff that is, in a lot of ways, pretty gentle, pretty family-oriented. And then we just throw that kind of stuff in there. So I'm with you. I'm with you there. So it's good to know all of the things that we talked about. You can, in one way or another, find them on PluggedIn.com, where they have movies and books, games, TV, YouTube channels. It's everything you need for pop culture right there at your fingertips so you can make the best decision for your family. And you can also find Adam. Adam, you have uh, blogs up all the time. Um, so. Yeah. Lots of cool ways that you can connect with not only your family, entertainment, but Adam as well as we get you plugged in. And, you know, just to just so that we don't overcool you, uh, Big Voice Guy did Let's this. Get you plugged in. 
Thanks, big voice guy. And thanks, Adam. We'll catch you next time. Sounds great. Thanks, Michelle. For more fun, go to mymichellelive.com. 